afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Fat Brands, Inc. Second Quarter Fiscal 2022 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants have been placed in a listen-only mode. Please note that this conference is being recorded today, July 28, 2022. On the call today from Fat Brands are President and Chief Executive Officer Andy Wiederhorn and Chief Financial Officer Ken Kewick. By now, everyone should have access to the earnings release, which can be found on our Investor Relations website at ir.fatbrands.com in the press release section. Before we begin, I need to remind everyone that part of our discussion today will include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and therefore, under-reliance should not be placed upon them. Actual results may differ materially from those indicated by these forward-looking statements due to a number of risks and uncertainties. The company does not undertake to update these forward-looking statements at a later date. For a more detailed discussion of the risks that could impact future operating results and financial condition, please see today's earnings press release and our recent SEC filing. During today's call, the company may discuss non-GAAP financial measures, which it believes can be useful in evaluating its performance. The presentation of this additional information should not be considered in isolation nor as a substitute for results prepared in accordance with GAAP. Reconciliations to comparable GAAP measures are available in today's earnings release. I will now turn the call over to Andy Wiederhorn, President and Chief Executive Officer. Thank you, Operator, and hello, everyone. We sincerely appreciate you joining us today and for your interest in FAPRAND. This afternoon, we made our second quarter 2022 financial results publicly available. Please refer to the earnings release and our earnings supplement, both of which are available in the investors section of our website at www.fatbrands.com. Each contain additional details about the second quarter, which closed on June 26, 2022. I would like to start by thanking our entire team who have worked diligently as we continue to scale this business. It is due to the hard work of our team members, franchisees, and their employees that we move forward with confidence in the long-term opportunities for Fatbrands. Now I would like to discuss our performance in the most recent second quarter. I am pleased to report that the strong sales momentum we experienced in the first quarter of 2022 continued into the second quarter. Specifically, we reported total revenue of $102.8 million in the second quarter of 2022 compared to $8.3 million in the second quarter of 2021. The significant increase in revenue was a result of the 2021 acquisitions we made coupled with ongoing sales recovery from the negative effects of the COVID-19 pandemic in the prior year. Comparable system-wide same-source sales increased 5.6% for the quarter. Equally impressive, system-wide sales grew to $553.4 million, or like 284%, when compared to the prior year quarter. When looking at our legacy fat brands portfolio, which includes only the brands we owned for all of 2021, system-wide sales increased 7.5% for the same period. For the full fiscal year 2022, we remain on track to deliver an annual run rate revenue of approximately $400 million with system-wide sales of over $2.2 billion. Our top-line growth was matched by an equally robust increase in adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA increased to $29.5 million in the second quarter, following a strong Q1 adjusted EBITDA of $15.1 million. 
Looking to the second half of the year, we expect, expect both Q3 and Q4 adjusted EBITDA to be similarly strong for an annualized run rate adjusted EBITDA of approximately 90 to $95 million for fiscal year 2022. Brands continues to grow both organically and through acquisitions. We're very pleased with the progress we've made against our asset-like growth strategy as we've expanded our portfolio to 17 restaurant brands with approximately 760 different franchisees who operate an aggregate of 2,227 franchise restaurants, in addition to our 127 company-owned stores. Today, with a total of 2,350 restaurants open, we are approximately the 25th largest restaurant company in the country by unit count. We believe we have a strong trajectory of growth ahead through both verticals. Looking at our organic growth strategy, during the second quarter, we opened 26 restaurants, bringing our year-to-date openings to over 60 restaurants, with plans to achieve approximately 110 to 120 new restaurant openings this year. As we integrate the eight new restaurant concepts that we acquired in 2021 within the FAPRANCE portfolio, we are seeing robust demand from our existing and new franchise partners to add a variety of our brands to their portfolio of restaurants. In fact, we have over 325 multi-unit franchisees at the end of Q2. We also continue to play into the synergistic nature of our portfolio with co-branding. We've experienced great success by co-branding Sapburger and Buffalo's Express and by co-branding Marble Slab Creamy and Great American Cookies. We see great value in pairing other similar brands in our portfolio together as a way to drive additional revenue growth. For example, in the near future, we will be co-branding a roundtable pizza with a fat burger, as well as a Johnny Rockets with a hot dog on a stick. All four iconic California-based brands each have very low customer base. Our restaurant development pipeline continues to be robust with over 900 restaurant commitments signed and paid for which represents an additional 38% unit growth and will provide us with an estimated $50 million in incremental adjusted EBITDA or approximately 50% EBITDA growth over the next few years. At the end of August, we will host our biannual franchisee convention in Las Vegas, where we expect approximately 2,000 of our franchisees, suppliers, and significant stakeholders to participate. This will be the first time that we are hosting our in-person convention since the pandemic began. We're looking forward to this gathering and the energy it will bring to the entire organization. It will also be an opportunity to further our development pipeline as we will be offering incentives for franchisees to buy additional restaurants. Another important part to our growth strategy is our Atlanta-based manufacturing facility, which produces pretzel mix and cookie dough for several of our brands. During the second quarter, our manufacturing facility generated over $8.6 million in sales. In addition to being accretive to revenue and EBITDA, our manufacturing facility helps our franchisees mitigate supply chain issues and purchase goods at an approximate 20% discount relative to the price they could get from retail distributors. We believe our factory business today is in its early stage of growth, operating at about 30% capacity with significant white space to expand. Our focus is on adding to the goods we currently manufacture for our entire portfolio of brands and selling goods to third-party brands not in our current portfolio. Notably, we recently hired a VP of manufacturing sales to promote our manufacturing business to third parties where we can add value. Now turning to Fat Brand's second strategic pillar, growth by acquisition. 
Our primary goal for 2022 has been to digest the eight new restaurant brands we acquired in 2021 and to identify and capitalize on potential synergies and cost savings as we scale the business. That being said, there are a number of strategic acquisition candidates that could fit within our current operations or give us the chance to acquire additional strategic platforms as well as fill out our factory business. We are considering how to capitalize on these opportunities in a manner that would be delevering to the business, such as using some form of our publicly traded common and preferred equity securities. This could also improve our publicly traded float, of course, subject to watching the limitations of issuing equity that could affect the preservation of our very valuable and substantial net operating tax loss carry forward. When evaluating potential acquisition targets, we focus on brands with a proven track record of long-term, sustainable, and profitable operating performance, and that can show an existing pipeline or path to significantly grow their business, rather than focus on brands that need significant turnaround efforts and are simply cheap to buy. These acquisition opportunities take time to complete, and there is no guarantee that we will get any of them done. However, we think there are interesting targets available in the market today. We may combine one or more of these opportunities with our refinancing efforts as well. During the quarter, we acquired the Nestle Toll House Cafe by Chip franchise business from Crest Foods, Inc., and are in the process of rebranding the approximately 85 stores as Great American Cookies. We are set to open our first converted store in September. We believe this tuck-in acquisition will increase our foothold as a leader in the cookie and ice cream dessert category, joining our existing Great American Cookies and Marble Slab Creamery brands. Though we are focused on our deep organic growth pipeline this year, we saw great value in making this accretive acquisition. These stores will fold seamlessly into our quick service division and provide us the opportunity to utilize the capacity of our manufacturing business, providing supply chain efficiencies and cost savings. To date, acquisitions have been a strong growth vehicle for fat brands, and we anticipate the combination of our production and distribution facility and scale to increase the profitability of the franchisees that have joined us with this acquisition. Diving back into synergies, we have a seasoned senior leadership team in place that has experience in identifying synergies and removing excess overhead across our portfolio of brands. Notably, our corporate IT systems have now moved to a shared service model focusing on bringing our 17 brands together on a simplified, functionally robust, scalable, and efficient platform. This new shared services model will allow our brands and franchisees to use technology to drive additional traffic, to be where the guest is through delivery, and enable customers to order on their terms, be it drive-through, in the restaurants, online, or on mobile with their own devices. As you know, we are currently in a period of historically high inflation with supply chain challenges. However, with 17 brands in our portfolio, we are fortunate to have both strong purchasing power and relationships with our suppliers and distributors. As a result of our purchasing power of more than $600 million per year in food, beverage, and paper costs, we were able to generate savings for our franchise partners of approximately 2 to 3%, which is beneficial in, the, in this inflationary environment. We continue to aggressively negotiate with our suppliers and manufacturers so that we can provide our guests the highest quality and freshest ingredients at competitive prices. That said, menu price increases are inevitable in this current environment. We have encouraged our franchisees to take price where necessary. That means increasing price so that they can continue to profitably operate and serve their communities. When it comes to menu price increases, we look to implement smaller increases over time so we lessen the price impact on our consumers. It's important to note, though, that we have started to see the cost of goods come down, even though at somewhat of a slow rate. 
Looking at our balance sheet, we are working with our bankers and actively pursuing the rating and refinancing of our different securitization facilities, beginning with our FAT 2021 and FAT GFG 2021 securitization trusts. Given the choppiness of the capital markets and the fairly long lead time with the ratings process, we think any potential refinancing would likely be either a Q1 or Q2 2023 event rather than Q4 of this year. In addition, we are working on the planned redemption of $135 million of our Series B preferred stock from the sellers of Twin Peaks and the sellers of Global Franchise Group, sometime over Q3 and potentially Q4. The securitization refinancing and the preferred stock redemption will each provide substantial savings from a free cash flow perspective by lowering our cost of capital, which is a top priority for us. It is important to note that earlier this month, on July 15th, we announced that we have raised our third quarter common stock, Class A and Class B dividend from $0.13 per share to $0.14 per share, representing a 7.7% increase in the dividend rate, which further demonstrates our desire to reward our investors with quarterly dividend distributions. We recently strengthened our current board of directors with the elevation of James Neuhauser to executive chairman of the board and added Lynn Collier to our board as new independent director. Our prior chairman, Edward Renzi, will transition to the role of vice chairman of the board of directors and will continue to provide strategic counsel with Fabran and serve as our lead independent director. Jim and Ed have been tremendous assets to Fabran's over the last five years as we have reached a whole new level of scale. I look forward to tapping further into Jim's deep expertise in the public equity markets. I'm also pleased to welcome Lynn, who brings a new skill set to our board as an experienced restaurant analyst. In summary, the opportunities ahead for Fat Brands are considerable, and we are well positioned for growth. Fat Brands is built on providing an authentic, superior dining experience, and I'm confident our brands will weather this current economic environment. We have a seasoned senior leadership team coupled with a strong and dynamic brand management platform capable of seamlessly and cost-effectively integrating new brands. We also have a healthy and growing development pipeline that will fuel organic growth and naturally further delever us for many years to come. We look forward to updating you on our progress on future calls. And with that, I would like to hand the call over to Ken to talk about our financial highlights from the quarter. Thanks, Andy. Uh, total revenue during the second quarter increased 1,141% to $102.8 million, reflecting revenue from Global Franchise Group, Twin Peaks, Fazoli's, and Native Grill and Wing, all of which were acquired during 2021. Additionally, uh, revenue benefited from the ongoing recovery of the negative effects of COVID-19 in the second quarter. Cost and expenses increased to $89.6 million in the second quarter compared to $7.2 million in the second quarter of 2021. Included in cost and expenses, general and administrative expense increased to $20.8 million in the second quarter from $5.1 million in the prior year period. This increase was attributable to the 2021 acquisitions, coupled with increased compensation costs, professional fees, and travel expenses, reflecting the significant expansion of the organization. I'll also add that beginning in the second quarter, we are presenting depreciation and amortization expense separately from general and administrative expense. Depreciation and amortization expense increased to $6.7 million in the second quarter from $0.4 million in the year-ago quarter, attributable to the 2021 acquisitions, including depreciation of acquired company-owned restaurants and the amortization of acquired intangible assets. 
cost of restaurant and factory revenues increased to $49.8 million in the second quarter compared to $0.2 million in the prior year period, primarily related to the 2021 acquisitions, including the operations of the acquired company-owned restaurant locations and the Atlanta-based manufacturing facility. Advertising expense was $11.6 million in the second quarter compared to $1.4 million in the prior year period. These expenses vary in relation to the advertising revenue and reflect advertising expenses related to the 2021 acquisitions and the increase in customer activity as the recovery from COVID continues. Other expense for the quarter was $21.6 million compared to $9.1 million in the year-ago quarter and was primarily comprised of interest expense on our securitizations. Other expense for last year's quarter included a $6.4 million loss on extinguishment of debt that did not recur this quarter. Net loss for the quarter was $8.2 million, or 50 cents per Garuda share, compared to a net loss of $5.9 million, or 48 cents per Garuda share, in the prior year quarter. And on an as-adjusted basis, our net loss was $3.1 million, or 19 cents per diluted share, compared to $1.1 million, or 9 cents per diluted share in the prior year quarter. And with that, Paul, please open the line for questions. Thank you. We will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask your question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate that your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Thank you. Our first question is from Joe Gomes with Noble Capital. Please proceed with your question. Good afternoon, Andy and Ken. Congratulations on the quarter. Thank you. Hi, Joe. Thank you. I just wanted to start off, um, you know, store openings in the second quarter were 26. Uh, I think in the first quarter they were 27. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, up to 120. I think it's up previously from your estimate about 100. Um, you're not you, – momentum there continues to build even in the face of the current economic environment. Very, very strong momentum. Uh, we're at 62 stores year to date through today. Uh, we'll be in the 70s and 80s by the end of August. Uh, so a lot of openings going on right now, um, which is, you know, a big effort, but, uh, but, but very, very, very strong. Uh, and, you know, we're going to hit that north of 100, probably up to 120 uh, new store openings in this calendar year and, uh, and probably as many as not more in 2023. Uh, we already have 50 or 60 under construction right now for 2023. So very strong um, demand by franchisees. The only thing that, that, that slows us down at all, as you as you know, is the availability of equipment like freezers and fryers and things like that that just are taking longer to get these days than normal. But I'm sure that that will catch up here shortly. Okay. And, and similarly, you know, again, continue to show, you know, really good same-source sales. Um, you know, on the owned locations, um, you know, the Twin Peaks, et cetera, um, everything continues to move 
well with those? You're not seeing any slowdown in, in any of the own locations? The management team at Twin Peaks continues to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, they're, they're just killing it. They're a great job. There is um, extremely strong, positive, same-source sales, uh, very solid development, um, very solid uh, new franchise sales to, to back that development pipeline, a focus on the middle of the P&L right now for the company-owned stores, uh, you know, labor and food costs, things like that um, as we get through the summer. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of seasonality to that business just because we don't have sports at the same intensity year-round, and certainly Twin Peaks is a sports club. But you have a little bit uh, of lag in, in the summer here in July, but, but we'll be back to football in August and, uh, you know, um, pre-basketball things. So, you know, we're, we're heading that way, and uh, strong sales are just very strong and continue to be, um, I think, uh, double-digit uh, year-to-date. Excellent. Um, and, you, and you talk a little bit about the, the factory and the utilization there, and, and one of the goals is to get the, the utilization up on the factory. Um, the, the Nestle acquisition, that have any real impact, or is that de minimis uh, given the size of the acquisition? No, it's, it's, it's very important. Uh, you know, it's another 85 to what could be 100 uh, new stores coming into Great American Cookie, and, you know, essentially it could be another uh, couple million dollars of, factory um, profit just from that Nestle um, addition. So, you know, we bought the royalty stream, but we, we didn't really pay for the manufacturing business that came with it. And so uh, producing the dough ourselves instead of those Nestle franchises buying dough from a third party will give us an additional couple million dollars. It was really a, a, an opportunistic deal because uh, for the seller, you know, they brought in a couple million dollars a year of royalties and netted maybe a million dollars in, in their business after overhead. Um, for fat, we not only get those royalties with lower overhead because we have the synergies, but then we also get a couple million dollars in manufacturing profit. So it's a very, very good purchase for us strategically to have that factory and make that additional turn of EBITDA that, that um, other buyers couldn't get. Great. And maybe you talk a little bit on the the the, uh, the rating and the uh, on the uh, whole business securitization. You know, originally your goal was to get that done in the first half of this year, and now, as you mentioned today, probably this is now you know first half of next year. Um, you know, just kind of maybe you can walk us through as to you know what is is just making the the process drag out for you know potentially another year. Yeah, I know. Mean, the First thing I'd say is turn on the TV. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the economy in general has just, you know, given pause to the, the credit markets. And so when you see the high yield market and asset backed securities market, um, take such a pause and catch your breath going into, um, you know, the, the first and second quarters, it just slowed things down. We, one, we had to, we had to really absorb the acquisitions, um, you know, that, that we made. We are coming up now, um, this month is the one year anniversary of the GFG deal. Uh, we decided to look at putting the FAT 2021 deal, which are really our burger restaurants, into the GFG deal, which are the roundtable pizza, cookies, and ice cream, hot dogs, pretzel business, and do sort of one larger deal and, and have uh, you know, try to spread the cost across that one larger deal. So that's a little bit more time to have that track record under our belt of owning it for a year. Um, there are some changes in the rating agencies in terms of how they're doing business right now. And so originally when we had planned uh, to, you know, try to come back to market at the end of Q1 or sometime in Q2 uh, of this year. We thought that, um, you know, some of the agencies would be back with whole business securitization ratings programs and 
One of them in particular was not and, and doesn't expect to be till the end of, you know, Q3 or sometime in Q4. So that slows things down. And then just the, just the overall interest rate environment. I mean, we, we will miss some of the savings, no question, from higher rate environment. We will also have higher revenue and, and make up some of that savings because of inflation, because of price increases. We will collect more royalties off the top line. So, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. And, uh, you know, we have, we have plenty of time and, you know, to, to get this securitization done and rated and reissued. We just want the markets to calm down. And are, I think everyone's hopeful, right, that rates will calm down a little bit by the, by the by Q1. And we're, we're absolutely starting the ratings process now. We're not waiting. It's just a long process. It takes six months to get a transaction rated, and you have to make sure that the agency is prepared to handle it. So I'm just cautiously guiding towards a Q1, worst case Q2, but we hope it's Q1, um, you know, transaction. And that's that's based upon the advice of our bankers. I'm not just uh, coming up with that on my own. Okay. And one last one for me, uh, and I'll let someone else ask a few. Um, you know, the the preferred B redemption, um, you know, how do you see that occurring now um, in terms of how you plan on financing that? Yep. So uh, we have uh, additional credit available under our existing securitization facilities based on similar leverage multiples, but just much better performance because when some of those securities were issued, like that 2021, the Burger deal or uh, the GFG deal for, great, for Global Franchise Group, uh, we were basing that off 2020 data, not 2021 data. And now that you've had a recovery to normalize operations, using the same leverage multiples, it, it provides for additional liquidity in those facilities. And so we have the ability and have accessed um, those facilities to, to start to and, and to structure some additional bonds that we would basically move the preferred stock into bonds one way or the other by either third parties coming in or otherwise to redeem that stock. It's ultimately a savings uh, from a cost of capital standpoint. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's natural, even though those bonds are going to get called and get reissued just as quick as possible. Um, you know, we have an obligation to redeem the preferred stock. It's expensive leaving it out there uh, at this stage. So that's our focus. And we think that we get that done um, probably by the end of this quarter. Uh, maybe it drags a little bit into, into Q4. I don't think so, though. I think it'll get done in, uh, you know, shortly. Great, Andy. Thanks for, for taking my questions. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Uh, operator, next question, please. Thank you. Our next question is from Gregory Fortunoff, private investor. Please proceed with your question. Hey, Andy. How are you? Hi, Greg. Hey, uh, ni nice numbers. Uh, the only question I have is how come you're you're not using extrapolating out and getting us 100 to 104 million of EBITDA that that would lean into? Are you just trying to be conservative? Well, sure. I mean, right now, look, look 2023, uh, you know, 2023 should be uh, certainly as good, if not better, than 2022. But just given the noise in the economy, it's hard to forecast what sales might do six months or nine months or 12 months out from now. So that, that's why, you know, I think we're being cautious right now. You know, we're continuing, like I said, we're continuing to see very strong sales across most of the brands. There's some seasonality to it, but, you know, if things go the right direction, then that number will increase more. And, and you know, we're all optimistic of it. I just want to be conservative in our projections today. So for, if we, if we want to start looking out and just thinking about the future, I mean, 
at least for the next, let's say, three or four quarters, is, is like 29 to 30 the right? Is that going to be the run rate that you're going to move to? Well, I think because there's some seasonality, I think there's because there's some seasonality. You know, it's safer in the you know, moving to the 95 to 100 million dollar range up from 90 to 95. In, you know, over the next uh, few quarters. But remember that we're adding 10 million a year going forward of new store openings uh, that just drops to the bottom line, and um, you know, very little uh, closures that have any material effect. Um, you know, usually stores are closed are very low revenue stores, and and so that, that just continues to build and build. Now, as we open, we've opened 62 stores year to date. We haven't had six months of income from those 62 stores. We've only had a few months of income because they didn't all open on January 1. And the same will be true right. as we go throughout, uh, you know, 2023. So we end 2023 with another 120 stores. We'll be getting the full benefit of that in 2023 that we didn't get in 2022. Plus we'll get the incremental benefit of those additional stores for a partial year in 2023. So there's always a little bit of a lag, but it, it's solid. Right. Um, you know, it's solid. It compounds and, you know, naturally deleverages because EBITDA just goes up. If we don't borrow another dollar, we just amortize debt or anything else we do. Um, our EBITDA is growing and we're delevering. Andy, um, how are the stores doing in this kind of environment? Or, or you know, assuming they did take share, they, are they at least maintaining their margins? Because obviously we need the franchisees to be, you know, making some money to stay in the game. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in coaching franchisees to maintain profitability and maintain margin. If they, and, and part of being, you know, a part of a system is that you get that kind of coaching, you get that kind of counseling from our franchise business consultants that are out in the field every day meeting with franchisees, looking at their numbers. We collect P&Ls as often as we can from the franchisees and go over their margins. And it's really important, you know, an independent operator can be afraid to take price, to increase their price because um, they don't want to lose customers, but if you're part of a system, the system's got to teach you and coach you that you have to maintain your margin. You can't do this for free. And, you know, look, if commodity costs come back down, they can, you know, change the, those prices. Um, you know, we all rarely remember seeing restaurants lower their prices, but it's important to maintain the margin and so that they're profitable. You don't want to be the independent operator that doesn't take price and finds out at the end of the year they didn't make any money and they end up going out of business. So, you know, it's important and we're all over that. I would think that they wouldn't lower price. You know, customers are used to it, and they make that little bit of extra margin, but I guess they all have to decide. Um, Andy, going into 23 or, or whenever, when, when do you think you'll be, you know, stop burning cash, like from the P&L point of view? Is, it, is there a, you know, based on what you know now and assuming a refinance in the first quarter, do you have a time frame for, like, a break-even all-in with the dividend and everything? That's a very good question, and, and you're right on track with that. Um, with the new store openings, with the refinancing, uh, in effect, we should at the, at the conclusion of those two things, it should be around the end of Q1. Uh, that maybe it's by the end of Q4, but let's just say the end of Q1 to be conservative. That we should be at a point where, uh, even after the payment of dividends, um, the, there's positive excess cash flow, you know, above and beyond interest payments and, and anything else. So, and you know, we, we don't. Unlike a lot of restaurant companies, because we're so asset light, we're not burning through capital to build new stores. We, we've allocated a certain amount of capital at the Twin Peaks level to build additional company-owned stores, but just a few of them every year. And um, they're, they're really using kind of a hub and, and spoke model to, you know, seed some markets, get them up and running, and then bring in franchise developers to run from there and use our corporate stores to support the franchisees. And so, um, you know, that, that idea seems to be solid and working and um, you know, that, that business doesn't trip that much capital. So I don't really see us 
um, you know, having a, you know, a constant need to raise capital going forward unless it's for some acquisition in some way. And as I mentioned very clearly in my remarks earlier, you know, we want to do that in a, in a delevering way, however possible, just um, so that, you know, uh, we're not racking up more debt for the sake of racking up more debt. So what, what was the answer? I'm sorry. When, when is it going to be cash flow? Uh, I think by the end of Q1. It, it, okay. it, the, only, the only difference would be if the refinancing takes even longer, then it, then it would be the end of Q2. But somewhere in there, somewhere in the next, uh, you know, six to nine months, I expect it to get done. Okay, fantastic. Andy, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up, and uh, I'll see you uh, in Vegas. Thanks. Thank you very much, and look forward to it. Uh, operator, any other questions anyone has? As a reminder, if anyone would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. Our next question is from Roger Lipton with Lipton Financial. Please proceed with your question. Yes, hi, Andy. Um, uh, good progress, obviously. Um, the reason I'm, I, I got on so late, I was trying to uh, ask a question on my on my um, cell phone, but it wouldn't take the prompt, so I, just, I had to dial in on the uh, – anyway, so that's my uh, technological challenge here. Got to love a landline, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, can you give us an idea of which concepts are, are, are really providing the openings, um, as well as, as uh, you mentioned, Twin Peaks is doing very well in terms of uh, uh, giving us a little more idea of which are the strongest of, your, of the what I consider the six largest Hurricane, Fatburger, Johnny Rockets, Roundtable, Twin Peaks, and you know the sort of obviously the most material concepts. Which are the strongest in terms of openings and same store sales? Yeah, there, there is a, a slide on our investor website that shows the pipeline by brand of, um, of the, the backlog, so you can see how much of it is in the QSR division, the, the casual division. Um, most, so we have a, a lot of growth at, at Twin Peaks. There's, you know, they're going to get to uh, 100 stores approximately by the end of the year, and, and there's 130-plus uh, stores in the pipeline there, so very steady of uh, 10 to 20 stores a, a year. Um, on the, in the burger category, fast casual, we've got um, just – Dozens of, of deals for Fabriger Johnny Rockets um, domestically and internationally to build new stores. Um, similarly, um, Fazoli's in the QSR side has, has a nice pipeline, but you also have Roundtable and the Great American Cookie and, and uh, ice cream brand Marble Sub that has really solid growth. So I, I don't see it as much in the casual dining space, which is what you'd expect, right? We're not seeing Hurricane Buffalo's native Ponderosa and Bonanza knock out tens um, and twenties in terms of incremental stores, but there's a few new stores. Here and there, it's really in the polished casual dining segment, and then in QSR and in fast casual, and then and then of course there's growth at the factory. Is that slide in the second in the Q2 presentation? I, I kind of looked at it quickly. I didn't see. I don't think it's in the Q2. I think it's in the in like June investor deck that's on the website uh, and out there already. But it is it is out there. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. We can talk a little, a little more about it another time. Um, and uh, most of my other questions have been asked, so I'll let you go. But uh, good Great. job, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Operator, I don't see any other questions. There are no further questions at this time. I'd like to turn uh, turn the call back over to Andy Wiederhorn for any closing remarks. Thank you, Operator. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us uh, today and, and wish you all a good evening and, and good rest of your summer. Uh, thank you very much. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.